0: Well, thank you, Lee, Choir and Orchestra. Boy, that bless your heart this morning, won't it? Hope you'll be back this afternoon uh, at 3 and 5.30. Is that correct, I believe? I know you will be blessed by uh, coming and hearing all that they're going to share with us. It certainly will help to get us in the Christmas season. Take your Bibles and open them with me to the book of 1 Corinthians Uh, If you'll find your way to the 10th chapter and then just hold your place, there is no primary text. As you see in your bulletin this morning, there'll be multiple verses that I'm going to refer to today. And uh, so I'm not going to have you stand in a moment uh, just because you'd be standing the whole service just about it if I did. So I won't do that to you this morning. But I think you'll see where we're going with the message is just... A second, couple things real quick while you're turning. Number one, I wanna say a word of thanks to Chris Reynolds for preaching for me last week while Rob and I were away. Uh, I listened to this service that he preached. I know he did a great job. Chris is a dear friend of mine. I had the privilege of leading Chris to the Lord many years ago when I served as Minister of Youth at First Baptist in Dawson. I understand that sorry thing, told stories about me last week. Don't believe one of them that he said. uh, I've got some I can tell on him also, I promise you. Um, I, won't, I won't do that, but I appreciate Chris. I'm very proud of him. I'm very excited about how God has used him and how God continues to use him uh, in the days to come. Second thing, some of you have asked, and uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and just quickly announce it this morning. We'll have uh, more information for you in the days to come. But uh, there are two trips planned next year. Out of the Holy Land, I had many of you that did not, were not able to go with us last year. They, you asked, are we doing another trip? And since it looks like I'm gonna be here for a while, um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but anyway. <laughs> hey guys, we've got a lot of feedback up here on the stage. So y'all gonna have to take out something so I can, there you go don't take me out but take out the uh, (laughs) the feedback that that's much better thank you uh two trips next year that you're interested in we'll have meetings immediately after the first of the year about both of these but make you aware of them. we will be going back to the holy land uh we'll be leaving the last part of october and the first week of november so if you're interested in that uh there will be another opportunity and then the last week of august we'll be doing something i've wanted to do for years and years and years and never had the privilege but because of the group that we're working with signature tours we're going to do the travels of paul and uh, there'll be more information about that for you and that will be a very limited size group that will be able to go but uh we'll have more information to you a little bit later on, First Corinthians the tenth chapter. And I introduce what I want to share with you this morning by sharing a story that I read a number of years ago that is quite humorous, but it does make the point. And the story went that at a church summer camp for children, one of the counselors was leading a discussion on the purpose that God has for all his creation. And as the counselor was teaching these children, uh, they began to talk about the good reasons that God had created for clouds, for trees, for the rocks, for the rivers, for the animals, just about everything in the world, and talked about the purpose of God in his creation. Well, one of the young boys in the back of the room, after the counselor got through, he raised his hand, and after the counselor recognized him, uh, he said to the counselor, Hey... If God has a good purpose for everything, then why did he create poison ivy? Well, that kind of stunned the counselor for a few moments. He didn't know exactly what to say to the young boy. And as he was thinking about a response, another one of the children raised his hand and he said, I know the answer to that question. I know the answer. He went on to say the following. The reason God made poison ivy is that he wanted us to know that there are certain things that we should just keep our cotton-picking hands off of. <laughs> there is a purpose for everything that God has created. And that introduces what I want to preach on this morning. I know this is not a Christmas message, but it really is a Christmas message because the reason God sent his son Jesus to this earth was to redeem his lost creation so that we could fulfill the purpose for which God both created us and recreated us. So I have to ask you this morning, what's your purpose? Why are you here? What does God want to do in you and through you? Why has God allowed you to live in this time on earth that he has? What does he have for you to contribute to his creation on this earth? And what does God want to accomplish in you and through you on this earth since he's giving you this time frame to, to live? What's the reason for your existence? Or are you just an accident passing through? Well, some people believe that. Isn't that a tragic way to live? Wouldn't it be a tragic way to live to think you're just an accident that just accidentally came here? One of these days you're going to accidentally die and that's the reason for your existence. How wrong and how foolish to think that. What's your purpose on this earth? And let's apply that to the church. I think you have to. You have to ask the same questions about the purpose of the church. And while First Baptist Church of Noonan is going through a time of searching and looking at who they are and where where they're headed and where you're going to be as the church in in the days and the years to come, I think it's a very important question. What is the purpose of this church? Why do you exist? Why do you have the buildings that you have? Why has God allowed you this time to participate in his kingdom on this earth? What does God want to accomplish in the life and the ministry of this fellowship? Why do you do what you do in this church? Why do you support this church with your finances? Why do you send out missionaries from this church? All of those questions have to do with our purpose. What is our primary reason for existence. Now if I was to start down here with Robin and go all the way around the building all the way back to the choir and let you answer those questions some of the answers I might get this morning would be things like this. Well our purpose is to share the gospel with the lost. And while that's true uh, that's not the answer I'm looking for and we'll talk about that more in just a moment. Uh, we We exist to worship and study God's word. Uh, we exist to be a lighthouse to this Community. We exist to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We exist to uh, send out missionaries to share the gospel with the world. We exist to reach the youth and train them in the things of the Lord. We exist to pray. We exist to comfort the grieving. And some of you Baptists, us Baptists, if you were dead honest with yourself, you would have to say we exist for fellowship and food. (laughs) Because that's the only time you ever come. And you think that's the reason the church is here. Well, folks, all of those answers to the question, why do we exist and what's our purpose? All of those may be good answers, and to some extent they have their proper place in the church, but none of those answers are the right answer to the question. And maybe, maybe the better way to put it would be this, none of those answers are the best answer to that question. Why do you as a person exist, why does this church exist? Actually, the right answer is much more basic than anything that I just mentioned. In fact, the right and best answer does not have so much to do with something that we do, but it has to do more with an attitude of heart that motivates my entire life. And I think you'll see that as we go this morning. So let me give you the best answer the right answer to the question that I just asked. And it answers answers the questions both for the individual and it answers the question for this church and for any church that is a part of God's kingdom. The primary purpose of my life, the primary purpose of your life ought to be to glorify God in everything I do. Now that is a simple answer but it is a unbelievably right answer. It is a profound answer. And if you ever get hold of that, it will change the way you see life, it will change the way you live life. My reason for existence, my reason for living is to bring God glory with my life. And First Baptist Church of Noonan, let me say this to you. Your primary reason for existence, your primary reason for occupying this piece of property and doing what you do as a church is first and foremost to bring God, glory, and honor. We have been created, this church has been established to bring God, glory, and honor. And honor, and that is what I want to talk about this morning for just a few moments. And the title of the message is to the glory of God, to the glory of God. So let's begin where we ought to begin. Is that in the Bible? Does the Bible teach that truth? In fact, it's amazing to me how many times God spoke this to us. He he filled the scriptures with this truth so that we wouldn't miss it, so that we'd make sure that we get it. I listed a number of verses there, and you're listening, God, this morning. I want to read those to you. I could stand here this morning and probably take all of my time and to read nothing but scriptures that deal with this very truth that we have been created to give God glory and honor. My main purpose in life and living is to honor and glorify God. The, the primary purpose of this church ought to be to glorify and honor God. God makes it clear to us over and over and over again in his word. 1 Corinthians 10.31 whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God everything you do you ought to be able to do to the glory of God and folks for us as believers if you can't do a particular item and say to God God you get glory for it from it you don't need to be doing it oftentimes and I've had people ask, well, what's wrong with this? Or what's right about this? Is it okay for a Christian to do this? Is it okay for a Christian to do that? Here's the basic answer to that question. Can you do it to the glory of God? Can you do that activity and in doing it bring God glory and honor? If you can't, the answer is don't do it. Everything you do, Paul tells us here, whether you drink or eat, whatever you do, you do it to the glory of God. That's what life ought to be about. That's your purpose. That's my purpose. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, listen, glorify God in your body. And really, the the more exact way to put that verse would be this. Therefore, glorify God in your life and in your living. Everything you do ought to be to the glory of God of God. Romans 15 verses 5 and 6, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 11 and 12. To this end also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. So that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus preaching The greatest sermon that's ever been preached, we know it is the Sermon on the Mount. He said in verse 16 of the fifth chapter of Matthew, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And then I'll go to one verse in the Old Testament, Psalm 86, verses 9 and 10. When we were involved in the work that we were in 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 First Baptist Church of Lourdes, Uh, We had reached so many language groups around us. God had opened the door for us as a church to get involved in ministry in the Middle East. We had done, uh, we were were just, it was amazing (laughs) how some of the places God opened for us Minister, and as we were praying about this, and as we were seeking the mind and the heart of God about where to go and how to minister in some very difficult parts of the world, God gave us this verse. This was really the verse that we stood on, we believed God for, and uh, it speaks of this whole matter of glorifying God. Listen, Psalm 86, verses 9 and 10. All nations. Whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord. And they shall glorify your name. For you are great. You do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. They shall glorify your name. And ladies and gentlemen, that's our purpose. That's why God has created you. That's why God has recreated you and redeemed you by his blood. That's the purpose of his church. Our main reason for existence is not for ourselves. It's for him. This is his church. It's not our church. Our purpose is to bring him glory, to bring him honor. And if we fail to do that, then we have failed in our mission. And if I fail to do that as an individual follower of Christ... I have failed to be and do what God has saved me to do, redeemed me to do, and called me to do. The scriptures pulsate with this mandate to us and for us. Glorify God with your life. So I have to ask you this morning, are you doing that? Are you living your life to God's glory? Are you seeking to honor him in everything you do? Do you see that as your reason for existence? And do you pursue that with all your heart and with all your life? Well, if you want to fulfill God's good purpose for your life, that will be the attitude of your heart. Some of you probably have heard of the old Westminster Shorter Catechism. Now, I realize for most of us who were raised in Baptist churches, uh, catechisms are not something we're all that familiar with. In fact, it may, you may be totally unfamiliar with it. But a catechism is a teaching tool that was used and has been used for many centuries by churches to teach basic doctrinal truth to its fellowship. And by the way, just for what it's worth, I really believe one of the reasons the church in America is in the mess it's in today is because over the last 25, 30, or 40 years, we have failed to teach proper doctrine to our church. We have failed to stand on doctrinal truth. And so some people say well that's so boring it's not boring you don't have to be boring but here's the importance of it you better make sure what you believe is right because if you believe it doesn't something that's wrong it doesn't matter how sincere you are about believing it you're believing in error and if you believe in error you're going to live in error so you better make sure what you believe is the truth Baptists used to do a real good job of teaching biblical truth, doctrinal truth to its people. We don't do that too much anymore. I don't know why. We just don't. But you better have it. You grow deep when you understand the deep doctrinal truths of God. And a catechism is one way to do that. It's not the only way, but it is one way many churches have chosen to use it. So, the Westminster, the old Westminster, short of catechism, starts off by asking the very first question. It uses a question and answer way to teach. Ask a question, you answer the question. That's how you teach the truth. It starts with this question What is the chief end of man? In other words, what is our primary purpose for life and living? Why are you here? What does God have for you? What is the chief end of man? Here is their simple but correct answer to that question. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And that, my dear friend, puts it right on the money. Our primary, fundamental, foundational reason for existence, both as an individual believer and as a church, is to bring God glory through the way I live my life and how I conduct myself here on this earth. To God's glory now in a practical sense what does that mean well if you took that word glorify and looked it up the word glorify means to magnify to elevate to shade to, to shed radiance or splendor upon another so if you took that definition for us to glorify God it then means to magnify exalt and elevate the Lord our God through our lives That's what it means to glorify God. Practically, it would mean to live my life in such a way that God is magnified and exalted both in the way I live my life and what I do with my life. And the same thing should be said of the church. Our church should conduct itself in such a way that God is magnified and exalted. Hey folks, when people come visit First Baptist Church of Noonan, they shouldn't walk away from First Baptist Noonan talking about First Baptist Noonan. They ought to walk away talking about the God that First Baptist Church of Noonan worships. They ought to so encounter God's presence here that when they leave, they don't go away talking about a church or a preacher or a music program. They walk away talking about the God that was there that we worshiped together on Sunday morning. Our purpose is not to glorify a program. Our purpose is not to glorify a personality. Our purpose is to glorify and honor God. That's what it means to glorify God. Well, uh, biblical examples. I could give you plenty, but let me give you two. I'll give you a New Testament, Old Testament. Uh, New Testament example. Uh, I can't think of any better than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the preacher for a while that everybody wanted to hear. All of a sudden, Jesus comes and he starts his earthly ministry. And all of a sudden, the crowds aren't going to hear John the Baptist anymore. They're going to hear Jesus. John's disciples asked Jesus, uh, asked John about this. And John's response to his disciples was exactly right. And they, he, he told what he responded to these, his disciples about was exactly what it means to glorify God with my life. In response to his their concern, John said to his disciples, "He, speaking of Jesus here, he must increase, but I must decrease. Jesus must increase; I must decrease. And folks, that's what it means to glorify God with your life. As I live my life, as I come to know God personally through salvation." Life is learning to decrease. It's not about me. But it is about him. I must decrease. He must increase. That's how you glorify God with your life. A lot of people don't get that. They think life's about them. They think life's about all what they want. What they want to get out of life. How they can experience life. It's not about you. It's about God. And when you get to the end of this thing called life... You're going to be judged on how well you brought God glory and honor through the life you lived. Not how well you lived for you. You're going to be judged according to how you lived for God's glory. He must increase. I must decrease. John the Baptist understood exactly what it meant to glorify God with his life. What about an Old Testament example? There are many. I'll go to King David for one example this morning. King David knew what it meant to Glorified God with his life. He was known as the man after the very heart of God. Now, he wasn't a perfect man by any means of the imagination. There were times in David's life he blew it completely, there were times in David's life that he had to get right with God. There were times he had to confess his sin. He had, there was times of judgment that came upon his life because of his sin. But he was still known as a man after the heart of God. I want to read to you, and I could, I could pick numerous places out of the Psalms to read this, to demonstrate. it. But I want to read the first six verses of Psalm 145. 145, Psalm 145 is a Psalm of praise. It's a Psalm for worship. It's a Psalm of pre, bringing God praise. And Honor. I want you to listen at what David, as the psalmist, writes about here in these verses. He understood what it meant to glorify God with his life. He writes, he says, I will extol you, my God, O king, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts and I will tell of your Greatness. Boy, you talk about somebody that understood what it meant to live their life for God's glory. David understood it. And folks, when you and I begin to understand that our primary reason for living, our primary purpose for our existence, the one thing that God wants from us above everything else. Is that I live my life for his glory and honor. It changes the way we live. Now that's all introduction to my sermon this morning. Let me get to the message uh, today. I didn't preach last week. Y'all remember that, don't you? Um, I, I, won't, I won't take long. and Y'all know me better than that. But anyway, already. How do you do that practically? Uh, let me frame it this way. What would that look like? If I'm really seeking, as a believer, to live my life for God's glory, if that's my heart pursuit, if that's really what I want, what is that going to look like practically? And we we could stay on this topic, I'm sure, for weeks on end, but I want to give you some key words this morning that I think best demonstrate to us and describe for us a person's life that is living their life for God's glory and honor. And folks, the same things, these same things can be said of a church. If a church is really seeking to, to live for God's glory, this is what it's going to look like. So I'm going to give you some key words. All of them start with the letter A, just for the simplicity and to help you remember them. But I, I don't want you to get so much caught up in the word as I do the concept. Trying to explain to you what it means if, if I'm living my life for God's glory and honor. Here we go. Word number one would be the word adoration. The word adoration. We live for God's glory by adoration. And what I mean by that is that you and I best live our lives for God's glory. When we give him heartfelt worship and praise and adoration. We have been saved For worship, we have been saved to praise God. God is a great God and He inhabits the praises of His people. God has redeemed us from our sin so that we can bring Him praise and glory. We're to be a people of worship. And if I'm living my life for, for God's glory, I'm gonna be giving God the worship that He, as God alone, Is worthy of now our problem with that is that we think many times worship is confined to a one-hour time period on Sunday morning where we take an order of service that looks something like this one and we follow it and if I go to church at in this case 1050 in the morning and we get out whenever Ken lets us out uh, and we do all these things in this order of service this worship service then I have worshiped God Now, folks, let me explain something to you. These things are intended to help you worship God. But do you understand this morning? You can do everything on this list and you could check them off as you go through it and walk out of here and never once worship God. Just because you attended this morning does not mean you're worshipped. Just because you've been here does not mean you've been to, you've worshipped God. Just because you went to a quote-unquote worship service does not mean you worship God. What is worship? Worship is when I yield myself to God. It's when I give him glory and honor. It's when I interact with the God who saved me. It's when I give him praise. It's when I give him adoration. It's when I seek his face. It's when I seek his heart. It's when I yield my spirit, my will to him. It's when I give my all to him. Worship is not something you do just for one hour on Sunday morning. This is certainly a part of worship. Worship is something that I do. And when I understand worship, worship is just as important on Monday morning as it is on Sunday. Worship is just as important on Friday night on a date as it is on Sunday morning. It's worship just as a part of my life that I do on Friday or Saturday. It doesn't make any difference what day it is. Worship is something I do seven days a week, week in, week out, 24 hours a day. It's who I am. It's an attitude of heart that gives God worship and praise and glory because he's God. That's what worship really is. I love the way the Apostle Paul put it when he was writing uh, the book of Romans, one of the greatest doctoral books we have in our Bible for 11 chapters. Paul talks about the greatness of salvation and the greatness of our God who has redeemed us. And then he comes to that 12th chapter and he begins from the 12th chapter to the end of the book of Romans to talk about practical living out those truths that he gave us in the first 11 chapters of Romans. And he begins this whole matter of living out our Christian faith by saying these words Romans 12 1 therefore I urge you brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your, your listen your spiritual service of worship what really is worship it's what I present myself to God as a sacrifice I die to myself. I give God my all. I present myself to him to be used in any way that he wants. It's not just giving God an hour on Sunday morning. That's included. But a lot of people think they, get God, they tip God an hour on Sunday. That's the end of it. They don't think about God again until they come back to church. No, if I'm worshiping God, if I'm adoring God, if I'm living for his glory, my worship of him continues on all day long, Sunday, and it goes into Monday and Tuesday all through the week. I present myself to God fully. That's what it means to worship God. A.W. Tozer, boy, so many many things he said we we could share here. But Tozer framed it this way once when he said, God saves men to make them worshipers. I was created and redeemed that I should worship him and enjoy him forever. And then he says that is the primary issue of the Christian life. So you and I glorify God with adoration. We glorify him with our lives when we give him the worship that is due his name day in and day out. Hey, everything we do ought to be a worship service to him. That's what it means to glorify him. Adoration. Second word I give you this morning to try to explain what it means to to live a life that's glorified in God would be the word acknowledgement. The word acknowledgement. We live for God's glory by acknowledgement. And what I mean by this is that we glorify God... When we acknowledge his sovereign rule and his lordship over every area of our lives. And folks, he is Lord. And because he is Lord, when we see him as Lord over all of our lives, you and I are able to give God glory because we include him in every segment of life and living Uh, again that's an issue for us in the church in America we give God an hour on Sunday morning maybe an hour and 10 minutes or an hour and a half depending on how long the preacher goes but then we don't think about God until we show up again next week and for some people they don't show up but every two three four five weeks God doesn't mean a whole lot to them Is that really what it means to glorify God? Can you really do that? And live a life that's honoring to the Lord? Absolutely not. No, I acknowledge his lordship over every area of my life. If I'm going to glorify him, he's God. I have to acknowledge his sovereign rule over all that I am and all that I do. 24 7, seven days a week, week in, week out. I, uh, many of you know I play golf. Uh, I play golf with some shady people sometimes. Craig Brazil won, and there, there are a few others. Uh, I'm just kidding, I, he's not a shady character. I have played golf with some shady people, though, over the years. Most of the time when I go out, I get to play with guys like Craig and others that I know, and we, we have a great time of fellowship uh, and encouragement. But sometimes when i flate over the years, I get put with people that I don't know. And that's always an adventure. Particularly why after five holes listening to them cuss after every hole they ask me what I do for a living and I tell them I'm a pastor of a Baptist church and you just see a melt right there and in front of you. I've had a good time cheering the Lord though with, us, with those after they've humbled themselves greatly uh, after they, they find out who I am. Um, but, but, you know, I was, this has happened a couple a couple years ago. I was getting ready to play golf with some friends of mine. We were waiting to tee off, and the group in front of us, they were on the tee box, and they, too, were getting ready to tee off, waiting for the group in front of them to clear. And I overheard a conversation that two of the men were having. Uh, obviously, one of the men had not been to church In quite a while and he was trying or not had not played golf in quite a while and he was trying to explain to his friends why he had not been out there playing and he said the following uh trying to explain why he hadn't been out there he said do do you know what my wife said to me she told me that I ought to use that money that I didn't spend on golf and give it to the church can you believe that That woman really knows how to spend my money. Now that told me a whole lot about this dude. I didn't know him. Didn't have a clue who he was. But let me tell you what it told me about him. He didn't know God. He had a wrong assumption about life. He had no clue how to glorify God with his life. You know why? It wasn't his money to begin with, was it? Hey, the only reason he's got anything is because God in his goodness and his grace gave him the ability to have it. God gave him what he had. It wasn't his money to begin with. It also told me that he didn't understand who he belonged to. Because if he understood he belonged to God, it was all God's to begin with. He should have been given it anyway. He shouldn't have had to give it. It should have been out of the attitude of his heart. It let me know real quickly this man had no clue what it really meant to be living a life Where he brought God glory and honor from it. And folks let me just say something to you this morning. If I'm living my life for God's glory. Every segment of my life is his. Including my money. And how I spend it. What I do with it. He's Lord of it all. And I will acknowledge his lordship over me. I want to read real quickly and then I'll close this up quick this morning. Acts, the second chapter, verses 42 to 47, gives us a little glimpse, just a short glimpse of what life was like in the early church by those early believers. And I got news for you. It doesn't look a whole lot like today. Listen to what it says. They, those early believers... They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continued with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved did you hear it twice day by day moment by moment Christianity their walk with Christ was not something they did once a week it permeated everything they did that's how you live your life for God's glory he is Lord and I have to acknowledge his lordship and his sovereignty over my life. This life is not about you and it's not about me. It's about me bringing him glory and honor. And that's where it must start. Adoration. Acknowledgement. Third word this morning. How do we live our life for God's glory? I would give you the word allegiance. Allegiance. We live for God's glory by Allegiance, And what I mean here is allegiance in the sense that I maintain such a relationship with God that it is more important than any other relationship that I have on earth. My allegiance to God is stronger than any other relationship that I can have with anyone or anything else. And if I'm going to live my life for God's glory, then that's got to be the number one priority in my heart and in my life. For some people, a husband or a wife, a child or a parent or a friend can come before the Lord. But if they do, what you're saying is that God is not as important to you as that person is. And if I'm going to live my life for God's glory, he's got to be number one in my life. Robin and I suffered the last 10 days. We were on the island of Kauai on vacation for 10 days. I'm sorry. It was 78 degrees and beautiful there. We had to come home to this mess. But anyway, uh, we, were, we were there celebrating our 44th wedding anniversary. Y'all pray for this woman. She needs a lot uh, of something. Uh, God God has given her abundant grace, believe me, to put up with me for 44 years. Um, But you know what? And I told the early service this morning this very thing. When, When Rob and I started dating and it became apparent that we had fallen in love with each other and we were going to get married, as we were discussing those matters, as you do, along the way, we both made a commitment to each other that we would be the number two person in each other's life. In fact, let me just say this. She's not number one in my life. I'm not number one in her life either. And I'm fine with that. God's number one in my life. God's number one in her life. And because, listen to me, because God is number one in her life, We've stayed married 44 years. She hasn't killed me. She's thought about it two or three times. Had a friend of mine say one time, have you ever gotten mad enough at your spouse that you wanted to divorce them? Nope. Wanted to kill them two or three times, but never divorce them. You know why we've stayed married 44 years? Because God wouldn't let me act like a jerk very long. Because my commitment first and foremost is to God and to please him. When I act like a jerk sometimes, and I do, don't ask her, but I do. I'll tell you I do. I, can't, I, can, I can act like a jerk, but I can't stay a jerk very long, not be right with God. I have to get right with God first. And then when I get right with God, do you know what he's going to tell me? You go get right with her. Because she's number two in my life. We've been able to stay married 44 years, and I don't know how long the Lord will give us together, but we will stay together for that very reason alone. God's first in our commitment. When we took our marriage vow, we committed that. God's first. For 44 years, we've tried to put God first. That's why we've stayed married 44 years. And folks, that is true of life and living. And if I'm living a life to glorify and honor God He's got to be first. And above all else, word number four is the word abandonment. We live for God's glory by abandonment. And what I mean by that is this you and I give God glory by refusing to expect or accept any glory that belongs to God. We abandon any credit, any boasting, any pride in ourselves, and we give God all the credit for everything we are and every hope that to accomplish here on this earth. How easy it is to allow pride to stick its ugly head up and try to claim the glory for things in our life that is rightfully his if we are anything at all if we have accomplished anything it is only because of God's grace God's goodness and God's good pleasure therefore he deserves the glory not me and not you we give it to him because he's worthy of it and the fifth word I would give you this morning is the word action The word action. We live for God's glory by action. We're able to glorify God when we take action with the gifts and the talents that He has entrusted to us and we use those gifts and talents to serve Him and others. Uh, I was talking to Rodrigo at the beginning of the service today and we were talking about guitars. I told him that I did something silly while I was in Hawaii. I played guitar not like that uh, i don't know too many people that can um, brother you blessed me twice today Thank you. uh... but i was telling him why i played guitar growing up so i'd wanted to do this for years and i finally did it i wanted to learn Lee? i wanted to learn how to play ukulele so while i was in hawaii i bought me a ukulele and they gave me a guitar chord i mean a ukulele chord chart and I said, well, I taught myself to play guitar. I'll teach myself to play ukulele. And I got it to the motel room. I took it out. And I started to look at the chord charts. And all of a sudden, something hit me. A D on the ukulele is not a D on the guitar. Which means I've got to change the way I think about playing chords on that ukulele. I'm 66 years old. I'm 67 years old, on not you can't, you, can't teach. you can't teach an old dog a new trick. And here I've got to learn a brand new courting process to play the dumb thing that I just bought in Hawaii. But he came to the rescue to me today. He told me, I can tune the ukulele the same way you can tune a guitar. Did you know that? Well, you're the minister of music. You ought to know that. Here's my point. He uses his talents to God's glory and God's honor. I don't know about you, but when he was playing, I was blessed. God was glorified. It touched my heart. He's glorifying God by allowing God to use his talents to glorify him to others. That's why God's given you the gifts and the abilities he's given you. Everybody's different. You have different abilities than I do. I have different ones than you do. But when you use what God's giving you, you use it for God's glory, he gets glory. And that's how we give him glory with our lives. A gentleman who's meant a lot to me over the years, a man by the name of Chuck Swindoll. Some of you might know him as Charles Swindoll. A book of his I got hold of many years ago. He was speaking about this topic of living our life for God's glory. And there's two paragraphs in that book I'm going to end the sermon with this morning. He hit a home run with this. I'm going to finish this morning by by quoting him and then we're praying. He said this, puts this matter of glorifying God in simple perspective. When I am unsure, I glorify God by seeking his will and then waiting for his guidance. When I need to make a decision, I lean on his word for direction and his spirit for strength. Some examples, you name it. Selecting a job, finding a place to live, determining which car to drive, focusing on a goal to accomplish. I decide on each one of those things only for his glory. How about this one? When affliction and suffering assault me, Or pursuing an education all for his glory not mine the same principle applies to the school I attend the courses I take the degree I pursue the career I ultimately embrace when any surface any subject surfaces it calls for my response his glory is to be in my attitude and woven through my answer When I am thinking and planning, when I win or lose, when I must relinquish a dream or realize it is best to walk away without fighting for my rights, I willingly surrender. Why? For his glory. Let's apply that to life. In my public life or private life, I seek his glory in relationships that please me or challenge me. They are all for His glory. In my home, in my work, in my school, in traveling as well as my being alone as I occupy a small monotonous place, in my research, in my studies, my academic assignments, my preparation for exams, my taking exams, my receiving a grade, my practicing a profession. all for his glory in fame and fortune public applause and appreciation as well as in those days when all fades it is all I repeat for his glory is that how you're living your life today is that how you're conducting yourself through this journey that we call life Is that the pursuit of your heart today? Well, I pray it is. If it's not, I pray today you'll make that right. And you'll begin to seek after that which God has created you for and recreated you through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the admonition that we find to encourage us to live our lives for your glory and honor. Oh, God, forgive us when we fail to do so. But God, may that be the pursuit of our heart. Lord, for that person that's here, and I'm sure there are many in this congregation today, who can honestly say that's, that's the desire of my heart. That's what I'm pursuing. Lord, help us to be faithful in it. Help us to pursue even further. Lord, may we never lose sight of living our lives for your glory and honor. May that be our entire life's pursuit. Lord, for that brother or sister in Christ here today that maybe it's not true of their life right now for whatever reason. Lord, they've struggled. They've wandered in the walk with you. Maybe they've failed you. Maybe they've been discouraged. And Lord, right now if they were honest, they'd have to say, "That's, that's not me. That's not where I'm at. Oh Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit you'd bring conviction. And then, Lord, out of your conviction, your conviction always brings hope, not condemnation. Lord, bring conviction so that they might repent. And then give them the grace they need to pursue, once again, a life that's being lived for your glory and honor. Change whatever needs to be changed in them. Correct whatever needs to be corrected. Lord, give them the grace, the willpower to walk day by day, moment by moment, acknowledging you as Lord of their life so that they might live their life for your glory and your honor. We all need your grace. Lord, none of us can do it in our own strength, so help us. Help us to be faithful. Help us to walk faithfully with you. And then, Lord, for that person that's here today who's never begun that walk with you, Lord, help them to understand today that the only way they'll ever be able to live a life pleasing to you is by starting their walk with you through personal faith in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today and there's never been a time in your life that you've come to Christ, that you've put personal faith in Jesus, well, God sent his son Jesus to redeem us, to restore us, to bring us back to the place that he created us for, to do a work in us so that we could walk in fellowship with him to bring him glory and honor. Your sin has separated you from a holy God But when we come to Christ, we find forgiveness. We find reconciliation. God adopts us into his family. He forgives us of our sin. He restores to us what was lost in our sin. And he helps us by his grace and his spirit to walk with him faithfully. So if you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus, I can't think of a better time, better place than right here, right now. In just a second, Lee's going to come and lead us in a a song of commitment. If you're here today and you've never given your heart and your life to Jesus, would you do that this morning? I'm going to be standing down front as we sing. If you need Christ today, would you simply step out from where you'll be standing and make your way down front. All you need to say to me is, Pastor Ken, I need to give my heart and my life to Jesus today. And we'll have one of our staff members take you back to the back for just a moment. And in the quietness and the privacy of a few moments with you, they'll share with you from God's Word how you can come to find a relationship with God so that you can live your life pleasing to him. Christian, if you're here today and God's put other commitments on your heart, this too is a time for you to respond. You respond at what God is doing in your heart and your life. So Lord, help us now even as we finish this service by responding to this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Lee leads us in our singing. You respond as God has spoken to your heart.